The Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Kime Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast where one of the hosts thinks a play fake is when mom throws a ball and then walks away. That's me. The guy who thinks that is Lenny. I am joined by a um, friend of the show. Has been a while since he's been on. The Ringer's very own, Shook Padia. Welcome back to the show. It's good to be back. As I told you, the power went out just as I was supposed to sign <laughs> on. So I feel like if I had to you know, cancel this time, it would have been a very long time before I was invited back. So I'm glad I didn't waste your time. <laughs> Sheil, uh, for those who don't know his work, I can't imagine many people listening to this don't know, but you can catch him on the Ringer NFL show. Uh, the Philly special is the name of your, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, I laugh not because of the name, but because I can only imagine what that podcast is like these days it's probably really fun if you're not an eagles fan to listen to like a schadenfreude experience i feel like eagles fans and cowboys fans right now are experiencing like mutually assured destruction of schadenfreude because they're enjoying in the downfall of uh the other team but they're not able to gloat about their own shield I've always said it's more fun to root against another team than to root for your own. Maybe that's my upbringing in Philadelphia and sort of a negative uh, environment, but I think it's true. You know, like for Eagles fans, that was so fun for them to watch the Cowboys. Uh, and then a day later, I'm sure the Cowboys fans felt the same way. So I, that's one of my sports truths. I think I think that applies. Well, uh, I, I, before we get to the today's or the weekend's games, the divisional round games, that is what we are here to do. We are here to preview what I think is an excellent slate. Um we know each other because you used to cover the Seahawks for ESPN. And I do want to get your quick take on not um, Pete leaving. I've talked through that, but sort of something that I'm trying to think through, which is what direction the franchise should go in for head coach. John Schneider just did a pet, their GM just had a press conference that I thought was like surprising that he, that he did it. He was pretty transparent. Um, I would say not so transparent as like, he didn't explain exactly why and who, was behind Carol's surprising ousting, but he talked a little bit about what they're looking for in a new head coach. And since then they have really widened their search. Uh, there have been reports coming in that they're interviewing just about everyone. So from the hot young coordinators, your Ben Johnson's, your Bobby Slowick's, I don't think they've interviewed Michael McDonald yet, but I'm sure they will to the uh, more, uh, the longer tenured guys like Mike Vrabel, who's been associated with them, Dan Quinn in Dallas. It's a wide net. If you were the owner of the Seattle Seahawks, which of all of the names I mentioned and the ones I haven't, do you think would be best to turn this team in the right direction? Yeah, they're sort of in that middle ground where right? it's not a it's not a blow it up and start over. Yeah. It's also not a I expect this team to win the you know compete for a Super Bowl next year. So I feel like any of those like uh, not like a you know a Belichick where it's hey the next two to three years, but I think you want someone who ideally will be around for a long time. Who whatever direction this thing goes in a year, you'll be comfortable with. So I don't think they need necessarily need a type. I don't think you need someone who's like in the Carol mold to have the same culture. And I like that they're casting this wide net because I, I always whenever you have a head coach opening, especially for a team like the Seahawks where it's been so long, just talk to everybody, steal ideas. You don't know who's going to be available next year. So I don't know if they got someone like, you know, Mike McDonald and they said, Hey, like, come on in, let's, we're starting over and you're a great defensive mind. We haven't figured out the defense in five or six years. And, um, let's go from there. Like that would make a lot of sense to me, but you know, you mentioned Vrabel. I'm like, I don't think that that would make sense too. You know? So mm -hmm. I, I actually have a lot of flexibility given the state of the franchise. Yeah. I mean, I, I, they haven't even interviewed him. I would love McDonald purely because I think the thing that's really been the downfall of this team in recent years, certainly this year, and will continue to be unless they can fix it, is the inability to stop the Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay offense. So you have to play four times a year. Mike McDonald just did that. You know, uh, Dan Quinn did not. Dan Quinn has not as a he's a great defensive coach, but he's not done that in Dallas. And I just don't know as an owner, how you can look at that performance in, in the wild card game and then, you know, over the course of the regular season and feel good about your ability to rectify that issue, because that issue, it's not going away. Those coaches are still going to be there. Those offenses are still going to be there. And, I, and it's, it's a real problem. 
Yeah, it's, it's a tough spot for Quinn because I, I do feel like part of his story in Dallas was that he did evolve. Like he's not running the exact same stuff nope. he ran uh, earlier. You know, their their defense has had different looks. I feel like, I mean, talk about the worst timing, man, if you're Dan Quinn's agent or if you're Dan Quinn. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't be like rule him out completely because he couldn't stop it. I mean, he's somebody who seemed pretty flexible. Um, and I, I think he's actually a pretty good candidate for uh head coach openings but uh yeah that's it, it's tough when you're having that opening press conference and it's like well what in the world happened to one of the worst defensive performances we saw all season in the last game you coached so that is tough it's not ideal all right well the first game of the weekend involves two of the guys that i mentioned bobby slowick uh in houston and mike mcdonald in Baltimore. Uh, the upstart young feisty texans head to baltimore to take on the ravens who beat them in week one, very, it feels like a million years ago. It's actually, you know, I, I think you're going to hear a lot of this week about how these aren't the same Texans. And of course they're not week one. It was a rookie quarterback. Just looking back at some of the stuff uh, that happened in that game, some of the stats, you know, one thing that jumps out to me, uh, he really struggled with pressure, with the Ravens pressure that he was sacked five times, pressured 37% of the time. Um, but he also had a very low, I think his lowest of the year average depth of target. Since then, uh, CJ Stroud has been slinging it back. It was 5.7 air yards per attempt, which way lower than his average, way lower than the rest of the year. Um, so he is not the same guy that he was at that point. However, Shiel, I also think it bears mentioning that the Ravens were missing players. They were missing Marlon Humphrey. Mark Andrews didn't play. I think he's still probably not going to play in this game, although he might come back later. Um, and uh, notably, you know, they were still figuring out their offense. Like Lamar Jackson's not a rookie quarterback, but it was a totally new offense. There were, you know, I think still incorporating the wide receivers, some of whom also didn't play, by the way, in this game. So I, let, let's start there. Like, how much can you really glean from that matchup? Do you think anything applies? Oh, the Ravens won. I should mention that. It was tied. It was close to halftime, and then they they pulled away in the second half. I didn't really look at it, to be honest. Like these other games we're talking yeah. about, I was like, all right, I'm going to rewatch Bill's Chiefs. I want to know what that looked like a month ago. But it, it like you said, it was the first game uh, of the season. And especially these teams, like the most remarkable thing about the Ravens, I thought this was going to be a transition year for them where it was like, all right, the offense is going to look up and down until maybe December. And maybe the last month of the season, they'll start coming on strong with Todd Munkin and look good. And it just happened like way sooner uh, than I expected. So you have one team who had two, you know, uh, two new coordinators, and then you had another team there, or I guess one new coordinator, uh, and then the other team with the rookie quarterback. So I don't, I don't think it applies that much. I do, though, remember watching that game, and I was like, all right, the score is the score, but like, man, like the Texans yeah. don't look like they didn't get killed in that game. I think it was mm -hmm. seven six at halftime, so they were kind of competitive. It, it, it's crazy. The first uh, half of the first uh, game of the season against like the Super Bowl favorite, they were competitive. Yeah, I remember actually a defensive coach. Um, not with either of these teams, uh, asked me after this game if I had watched it. And I said, yes. And, and he wrote like, you know, I know they lost. He's like, but Stroud has got something. Like, I, I would be nervous about him and his trajectory. And of course, he was proven to be correct. Another important, though, difference in this game that I didn't mention is at the time uh, they were, David, Damian Pierce was still the number one, the lead back. And I think that's actually quite relevant, Sheil, headed into this game because when I watch this Ravens defense and I think about it, which is uh, the best in the NFL, I think we can now say that after Cleveland went down the way yeah. they did, I feel pretty comfortable saying Baltimore is the best defense in the NFL, a, a defense that, as we alluded to, has, has really handled these Shanahan type offenses in a way that we just have not seen. Um, I do, however, think, and you saw this with uh, the Rams game, you can run on them. In fact, they, they encourage it. You know, they, they, they play a lot of, split safety, light boxes. Um, they would rather you run the ball than pass. And I think, you know, Houston is a terrible, terrible running team this season, but they have gotten a little bit better as the season has gone along. I thought Singletary is coming off of probably his best performance of the season against Cleveland. Um, I think they figured out something that, you know, he's much better running under center. Uh, he's not good running out of the gun. You saw that against Cleveland uh, under center. He averaged 7.2 yards per carry uh, with pretty reasonable success rate. And it pairs nicely with the CJ Stroud under center play action game. So I think 
the actual offense looks different from how it looked in week one. And the, you know, I'm not saying it'll give Baltimore trouble, but I think this is a better run game than it was in the early part of the year. Yeah. I mean, he had what, two 20 plus yard runs in that game last week against Cleveland. And they were, they were nice. I mean, the one he's breaking tackles, I'm a little torn on like, you know, should they try to run the ball or not? Because my one criticism of Slowick is, and he's been amazing this year. Like that was a, an unbelievable performance last week, but there have been times where I'm like, do you really like you're wasting some of the early down plays and you have CJ Stroud and he looks special. Like last week, I loved how aggressive they were early downs last week. Stroud was 13 for 15 for 227 yards. Like I know you can't throw on every early down, but I wonder what their mindset is in this game. To your point, like they're what 30th in rushing DVOA, but I do think they're better at it now than they were early in the season. Do they say, Hey, let, let's take our shots here. Uh, they've got a good offense. Let's sustain some of these drives. That's fine. Early on. If it's not working, I want you to pivot right away and be like, if we're going down, put the ball in this man's hands because he has been amazing. He can make high degree of difficulty throw. So uh, maybe there'll be a little feeling out period early on. I do, I do think the Shanahan guys like to just test stuff early, you know, try to set it up, come back in the third quarter with something different. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see something like that in this game. It, it also feels like one where, and this kind of echoes what you said, if they're going to have success on offense, we'll get to the other side of the ball in a second. Um, CJ Stroud is going to have to do something he has done this season, which is make plays out of structure, make plays under pressure, make plays on third down because this Ravens defense, um, what is, I would say unique about them. San Francisco has some similar qualities. They're so strong up the spine with the linebackers and safeties. You can't attack voids in the middle of the field, the way Houston Green Bay, like you saw in the wild card round against, you know, the likes of Cleveland, which was pretty shocking, but um, in some ways structurally makes a little bit of sense. And then um, Dallas, like that's not, I just don't see it, you know, like all the things that Houston did to Cleveland, the use of misdirection, the play action, the little, the boots and stuff. I don't see that working the same way, certainly not as effectively against this very disciplined Ravens defense um, it feels to me more like Stroud will have to be special and Nico Collins will have to make special plays against the Ravens corners. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's a totally different test. The Browns are like, line up and play. Here's what we do. We're going to press coverage and throw you into the, and be physical and aggressive. And the Ravens, I, I think to your point is like, they can play any type of way defensively. It is it is like a, a feather in, you know, Mike McDonald's uh, cap that like you can just switch how you play one week to the next. Every coverage you can imagine is on film for the Ravens. Every structure you can imagine is on film for the Ravens. So uh, it's a totally different test. We all love Stroud because he pushes the ball downfield. Best defense in the NFL against deep passes, the Baltimore Ravens. So it's, I, I'm with you. This is mm. like if the Texans are in this game. We're going to be like, oh, you know, the, the CJ Stroud hype yeah. is already at this level where I'm like, I don't know. Are there what two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks I want over him for the next five years? I mean, if they're in this game in the fourth quarter, if he's playing well, it's just going to reach another level. Stroud and Collins. I, 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 I I'm so impressed by him. I, I yeah. don't know. I, I think he's really, really good. Yes. Um, I th- and he can, he's, he's like a true X. You know, and I and I, Marlon Humphrey's been awesome. We'll see what kind of matchups they get. The Ravens typically play sides, um, but I I think that yeah, both him and Collins would have to like really take over on certain uh, and you know it's possible. I like I'm not ruling yeah. it out. I think that Stroud is that good. Um, on the other side, you know this Houston defense. I think they've played better as the year has gone along. Um, I think they're extremely good against the run. First knee paper play, which actually I, shocked me. I didn't realize that they had finished that high, which is pretty remarkable. Fifth in success rate. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I talked a little bit earlier this week about how they made some, I thought, very intelligent adjustments against Cleveland. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 the Texans defense really struggled against play action all year and, Browns come into this game as this dynamic play action passing attack, but in the game, you saw a concerted effort to play the pass over the run by the Houston defense, very smart adjustments by D'Amico Ryans. 
Um, and Cleveland couldn't punish them for it because Cleveland has a banged up offensive line. The run game was terrible by the end. Uh, that won't work against Baltimore. <laughs> so I, I'm very interested in your thoughts as to like the sort of run pass balance from Baltimore's perspective, knowing that Houston is much better against the run than the pass. Do you see this for Todd Munkin and the Ravens being a heavy Zay Flowers, OBJ Bateman game? Do you see the play action pass working? Like, how would you approach this knowing their strengths and weaknesses? I think the Ravens probably feel like they can run on anybody, you know, like yes. it doesn't matter. And, and also like, yeah, I, I was surprised by it too when the playoffs started and you're going through all the team strengths and weaknesses and you see that with the Texans and I'm like, wait a minute, I just watched the Texans in week 18 and the Colts ran all over them. I mean, what, what did they have in that 227 yards or something? So uh, I feel like the good rushing teams are like, we don't care about that. You like, like they're not so good where the Ravens are going to be afraid to do that. So um, the Ravens, it, it's funny, like they're early down stuff. They're probably more pass heavy than people would expect. I, I, I think they're top 10. So they can win in different ways. They can run the ball. They can have Lamar in structure, which we've, you know, finally seen someone give him a chance this year to, to do that effectively in a competent offense. And then uh, of course he can create. So, um, I don't know. I, I feel like the Ravens can win this game in a lot of different ways offensively. I feel like they can move the ball. I mean, Houston will just line up and play. They're not a big disguise team or do a hundred different things, but uh, I think their hope is probably what their edge guys, right? Grenard and Anderson, yes. like if you can pressure Lamar a little bit, force some negative plays, force some turnovers. I don't think it's going to be like a, hey, they're forcing them into three and outs and punting all day long. It's just about force enough negative plays to give Stroud and Nico Collins a chance to kind of steal it in the fourth quarter. I think D'Amico Ryan splits him. I don't think like they go crazy with it, but, and I mentioned this, you know, I, I noticed this earlier, um, pardon me, in the last game, and this is something he was, he was very good at this in San Francisco. Like that, that defense never blitzed a lot, but do you, do you remember, like, didn't it always feel like whenever Ryan, game. yeah, whenever Ryan yeah. sent the blitz, it was like perfectly timed yes. and it always worked. Yeah. I feel similarly at times watching Houston. Um, and I think Lamar, as incredible as a season as he's had, he got my vote for, you know, all pro and MVP and all of that. You can still get him with the blitz. You, you can still get him from time to time. So I think that's going to be key because, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I, I think as, as much as I've loved the improvement of this Houston defense, and I think guys like, you know, like Stingley, can he might be able to lock down Jay Flowers, for example. Um, there are just, and this is what I think is so, so difficult about this Ravens offense. They can do so many different things now at, at a high level, you know? And I think that's, what's so unique about it. Like they, uh, they still run the ball extremely well, but some games they'll get the wide receivers, the deep game going. Sometimes some games will be more about the quick passing game and the RPOs. They just have a lot of answers for the different things defenses do. And a quarterback who is like in total control um, of the offense. Yeah. And you mentioned the play action stuff with the Browns last week. Like I think the Ravens are not high in terms of frequency, but when they do, I think Lamar's like top five or something in all the statistical categories in terms of efficiency. And so it's like, if you're loading up to stop that run game, if yeah. you have to stop the run game and then they hit you with that, they have various answers. And even the blitz, it's like, I'm with you, like create some chaos. And there are going to be downs where Lamar's just thriving in chaos. He's like, yes, sure. We, I'll run around uh, and make a play 20 yards downfield. So um, they do present, you know, like you said, so many different problems. This version specifically, like I know there's a lot of comparisons, this version versus the 2019 Ravens. They're mm. talking about it, um, you know, all week long or the last two weeks. This one just feels like more sustainable, more answers. We're not going to be coming out of this saying, oh, there was a blueprint to stop this version of the Ravens offense. Well, I think about that 2019 team and and how they came to their end in the postseason. And it was the Titans, right? It was the Titans or the Chargers? Yeah, Titans. Yep, Titans. Titans. Yeah, right. So the game plan, you know, taking away, the, putting bodies in the middle of the field uh, and forcing them to attack outside numbers. And they weren't good at it then. And that they didn't have the weapons. Um, this year... Now, Lamar has been, and I, I think I looked this up before the end of the season, so I haven't updated it, but on intermediate throws outside the, the numbers, he's been the best quarterback in the NFL. Wow. Like He has like a QBR of like 99 or something. Uh, Zay Flowers eats there. They line him up way more outside than I thought they would. I bring this up only to say, to your point, like the difference between this team and the 2019 team is they're, you know, if you stop one thing, you're sacrificing something else and they will punish you. Like if Houston 
aggressively plays the pass on play action, they're going to run it on them and they're going to run it on them. Well, if they play the run, they'll be able to attack those voids in the middle of the field. If they take away the middle of the field, they'll be able to throw outside. If they play tight, they'll be able to throw deep. They're just good at pretty much everything at the moment. Um, so I think chaos is your best chance. Yeah, there. I mean, those edge. The Ravens still have that. Like, I don't know if they're still doing the offensive tackle rotation for the playoffs or yeah. not. But they've been playing like multiple guys. So I don't know. Grenard was pretty impressive last week. Been. Anderson has been impressive. They they need those guys uh, to, to get home and, like we said, create some negative plays. I've got Baltimore. Um, I think the Texans offense can make it a little interesting, just because I think that highly of C.J. Stroud. I think it's a really good, well coached team. I just think this Ravens team is a wagon. I, I imagine you're with me there. I am. Yeah, yeah. I got. I feel like either Stroud or Love is still going to be playing a week from now. I'm not. I'm not no, old no. enough to pick either of them. I'm, I'm going to take the points probably uh, on both of those. I think they can both be competitive. But yeah, I'm not bold enough to pick either one to win. I think there's only one game that uh, I'm genuinely curious to see who you pick straight up, and it's the last game. And uh, yeah, we'll get to that one. All right, Packers <laughs> Niners. Uh, okay. I'm a little bit nervous to start off by saying the Packers defense is bad. They can't stop the run. They can't defend the middle of the field. They can't defend deep because I said that before the Dallas game, Sheil. And yet, and then Dallas crapped the bed. But everything I said, everything everyone said, I'm certainly not unique in pointing out the deficiencies, these very specific deficiencies of the Packers defense applies this week and I do not think San Francisco will poop to bed the way Dallas did. I, I struggled to find answers on the, for Green Bay's defense against the San Francisco offense. Yeah, I, I don't think they exist. I'm with you. Yeah, I don't think we have to be You always have to be a little scared in the playoffs. I, I got some horrible playoff takes out there um, that should be deleted from the internet. Uh, maybe I, I can ask some, not just playoff takes, a lot of takes, but playoffs specifically, these one-offs. But I'm with you. I mean, it's just, it, on paper, it just looks like the worst possible matchup. Like you said, they're not good against the run. Like the 49ers could throw 15 passes in this game maybe and still put up over 30 points. All right, let's say they have a good game against the run. Well, that, like you said, the middle of the field, the Packers are terrible. I mean, where does Kyle Shanahan feast? That's where he feasts. What does Brock Purdy like to do? Why do we all say, oh, he's different than Jimmy G? Because he pushes the ball downfield. Where else are the Packers not good? When you push the ball downfield, I mean, it just, I, I did the same exercise you did. Like I was going through it today. All right, we know what can they do? You go through Purdy's stats, and, I, and I, I'm sure you've done this. I'm trying to look at it. Man, zone, one high, split safety, blitz, literally one or two disguise. in ev disguise every is single the only category. Thing. Only, what, the disguise? only thing okay. is disguise, okay. which, you know, Baltimore yeah, how it Green Bay does, yeah. and the turnover-worthy plays. If you, you know, if you look at the, all right, maybe I'll give you a couple. But we're talking about like two plays out of what you know, like thirty-five dropbacks in a game. So uh, it's really tough. There's no solution for any team. No. You just have to be a really good defense who can push them around a little bit and create some negative plays. I, and I'm not falling for that for the Packers. I don't care what the last oh, three weeks have yeah. looked like. I, I will not get that Bryce Young game against the Packers out of my head. I will not get Tommy Cutlets, you know, looking like Colin Kaepernick against Joe Barry was, out of my head. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I barely spent any time. I'm like, all right, there's no answer here. They just kind of got to get a little lucky and maybe Purdy will throw him a couple picks. Here are, yeah, here are three things that I think would need to happen for the Green Bay Packers defense to have success. Okay. One, a thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> it might rain. It actually might rain. I did. I, yeah, I I did see this in some of the 49ers. The Browns covered. game. The Browns Maybe game. Maybe some precipitation in Santa Clara. Okay, I like that. Pretty struggled a little bit with that. Uh, <laughs> Niners fans, I'm sure there's a rainstorm game where he played well. I don't know. I just remember that game is one that came, you know, struggled a little bit. Yeah. As many quarterbacks do. I'm not just, you know. Okay, so that's one thing. Um, Rashawn Gary needs to go crazy against Colton Kivitz, which is the week. I mean, the funny thing about the Niners is like outside of Trent Williams, the offensive line actually is not that great. <laughs> it doesn't matter because the ball comes out quick and guys are open so quickly. And there's so many things that defenses have to worry about. However, third down drop back situation. I do believe Rashawn Gary can beat Colton McKibbins. So pressure. Number three, Packers have to blow out to a lead because that changes the dynamics of 
all these Shanahan offenses, but I think it's really true of um, the San Francisco 49ers offense in, in general. We have seen Purdy struggle at times when trailing. Again, most quarterbacks, don't get mad at me, Niners fans. I know that most quarterbacks are worse than these. I'm just trying, we're trying to make a case here. It's not easy, but I think those are three things that would have to happen. Yeah, I think that last one, especially with like the whole complimentary football thing, like shrink the number of possessions. You don't want, if the 49ers have 11 possessions, it's more likely that bad things are going to happen to you, Green Bay. If your offense, like that first drive the Packers had last week against Dallas, what was it, seven and a half minutes or something? Get a couple of those and make it an eight possession game. Because in an eight possession game, if you get one turnover, if you get one sack, if they have one bad penalty, you know what I mean? Like that randomness will, as nine and a half point underdogs, you want to invite the randomness. So I almost wonder like, yeah, from, from a strategic perspective, if you're the Packers, is this just like a, let's, let's throw everything against the wall and play high variance. If we give up a 65 yard touchdown pass, who cares? Well, you know, we're probably going to give up a touchdown on that drive anyway. It's all about creating those like two drive ending plays that give your offense a chance. Cause mm -hmm. I, I just, I let crazy things happen again. It's the playoffs. This might look stupid a week from now, but I just cannot envision a scenario where they are just like forcing the 49ers to punt three times in this game. It's, it's just very hard for me to imagine. Oh, the fourth thing is the kicker misses an extra point. <laughs> two bad special teams here. Yeah. Yeah, two bad special teams. So. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you, you kind of, I think the third thing was about trailing. That's the best case for the Packers is their offense. Uh, and well, I'll tell you this. If Matt LaFleur wins that coin toss, he is taking the ball to start. He is, <laughs> he is jumping out to a lead as he has done. And I have loved yeah. because the, the their, their offense um, benefits from, I mean, I, I think, uh, first of all, the, their numbers are great from behind. So this is not an offense that has to have a lead. However, if they have a lead, it helps for a number of reasons. Um, one of which is this offense with, uh, which you certainly saw on display, you've seen on display really the last few weeks, but it was really very abundantly clear against Dallas. Uh, they're dynamic for a number of reasons, but they're especially hard to stop shield when they can threaten the run. And uh, Dallas got absolutely toasted because of it. Um, you know, the extremely high under center play action rates. Aaron Jones looks absolutely fantastic right now running the football. Since he's come back, he I, he has looked so good uh, running, in, in, um, especially from under center. And that's, I think, a pretty so the play action aspect of it. But I do think that they can move the ball on San Francisco using that formula. I agree. I, th I think neither of us are generally a, you know, we don't have our run the damn ball hats on, uh, you and I, uh, unless you've, you've changed a lot since we last spoke on the pod, but I'm with you here. I mean, Aaron Jones has been awesome. I mean, he's, I think, success rate top five among all backs in the NFL. Like if you look at their overall rushing numbers, you're like, all right, they're mediocre, but Jones hasn't been healthy for the whole season. He missed what, six or seven games when he's healthy. They can run the ball, and I do think that has to be part of the formula here. Like I said, they almost, like, you don't want to, this isn't about explosive plays, in, in my opinion, for them. Like, if you don't have a lot of explosive plays, that's okay. Can you sustain drives? Can you, again, shrink the number of possessions that the 49ers have? So uh, it all starts with run game, easy completions, play action. Uh, that 49ers defense is tough. I mean, they you talked about it with Baltimore. They, they take away the middle of the field better than any defense in the NFL because Fred Warner's an alien. I don't know that it's you know more more complicated than that, but uh, so it might be different types of throws. But man, watching Love last week and just like it, what I love is what I love is it doesn't have to be perfect for him. You know what no. I mean? Like you yeah. give up a little pressure here. He's got that little bounce. He's not panicking. He doesn't take a lot of sacks. Um, and so like, I, I do give them a chance to put together a very strong offensive performance, even though this is a good Niners defense. Yeah. The, the, they actually have a statistical advantage in the run game. This has been this case with the San Francisco 49ers all year. I actually, check to just kind of I just kept tightening it to more recently and it hasn't gotten better in fact over the last month of the season uh 31st in success rate 30th in EPA per play now a lot of that was the absence of Eric Armstead who I believe will likely be back for this game so that helps um but if you can get them into third and short in particular or anything in short you can run on them you can run them up the gut uh I think this Green Bay offense is poised to do so 
I also like the matchup, however, not just because it's a good running team against a team that struggled uh, against that, because stop me if this is like too galaxy brained, but I kind of love <laughs> uh, the, I don't know if you saw it was a take on Speak for Yourself, I think is the name of the show, uh, where Emmanuel Acho was saying how it's better to have, um, to not have too many draft picks because you might miss on all of them versus one or something. I'm not trying to take shots or anything. I was, anyways, that I feel like that might be reflect like kind of parallel what I'm about to say, but here's what I'm about to say. I like this Green Bay passing group because there isn't a just like a number one. Now it would be great if they had a number one. I'm not saying that they'd be worse if they had Devontae Adams. It would clearly be better than they have Devontae Adams. However, if they had Devontae Adams and no one else, which was, you know, the case at points. I think San Francisco could shut them down because I think Tavarius Ward has that ability. He's been fantastic this year. There were other weaknesses. Ambry Thomas, I think Lenoir can be had. The fact that Green Bay has so many different pass catchers and they're really, like each one, a different one goes off, yeah. uh, allows them to play matchup football, I think in a way that is very important against this San Francisco secondary. Yeah, no, I I think that's right. I think it's like different from last week. Last week they were playing two tight ends. Like this is like no, no. You want the 49ers in nickel, and you know, like you said, it's it's not that any of them are terrible players, but it's like you're looking for a weakness on the defense. And it's all right. Their corners can be had um, a little bit uh, aside from Ward, who's terrific. So yeah, it could be Dobbs. It could be Wicks. I swear, it took me till like week fifteen to all right. I, I the all they all are the same to me. I don't know who's who. It would be easier for me personally if it was like Devontae Adams and three uh, three other players. Then I could be like, all right, I can recognize them. Now I just get confused. It's almost like they have the same guy, and I, and I know they have different playing styles. But no, I, I'm yeah, getting older. I get confused when I watch these games. You know, I'm turning into my dad. I guess it's, it's legitimately confusing because every game it's a different one. It's like this is a Jaden Reed game. This is yeah. a Dubtavian Wicks game. Last week was Dobbs went crazy. Could have yeah. used that in my fantasy playoffs, Romeo Dobbs, but not 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 bitter about that by any means. Um, but yeah, I, I think it presents unique challenges for defenses, and I think for this defense in particular, um, I think the Green Bay offense. I, I, I actually like. I think the offensive line is playing really well. They're really they're they're healthier. I think they've got a good shot in this one. Um, I don't think it'll be enough. I still got San Francisco. But I don't know what the spread is. I'm sure. Let me, let me guess. Like six and a half, seven, maybe. Higher. I don't know. Keep going. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. I'm taking I'm taking Green Bay <laughs> in that regard to cover. But I'm taking San Francisco to win this game. Shield. Yeah. No. It's uh. It's nine and a half. So it's. Ooh. Uh, I know. It's up there. No. Re- no respect for that Packers offense. This is one of those where, like, we're saying, I. You could certainly see a scenario where the 49ers have like seven possessions and score six touchdowns. I mean, we can all see something like that, but yeah, I'm not willing to bet against like, uh, I've just Jordan love the last, he's been like the Kapadia personal, like star of the season. Like, Oh my gosh, I love to watch this man play. Like I want, you know what, you know, in our, in our world, you got to like claim people early, you know, to be like, no, no, this is my guy. You know, no, no, I, I liked him before you did. You know, it's like, it's one of those. I was trying to get in real early uh, on, on Jordan Loves. I, I don't know if I did. I'm sure someone out there got in on him. Well, he ripped up your Eagles. So you had an early look that, at him. He did. I, I do remember watching that film and I'm like, oh, this guy. I mean, just his, like his arm is so loose where he's just like bouncing around and then all of a sudden uh, throws a dart. So yeah, he's like, you know, top three most fun quarterback quarterback in the NFL for me right now. You know now. that expression? Um, it's funny because of his name. I read every, Jordan Love, it's just, the name is constantly stumbling into uh, jokes and TV chirons. But anyways, the expression, love like you've never been hurt, dance like nobody's watching. I don't know. I'm getting it wrong. Anyways, he <laughs> plays quarterback like he's never failed to me. That's how I yes. feel. Like, you know, like he lit- he plays like a 25-year-old. Like he's just like, yeah, I'll try this. Back foot. Yeah. Why not? Let's see. That look. That's a window author it fitted into, and I love watching it. It is so fun. It's amazing. They are cut. They are like a house money team. You know, you don't know yeah. when you're going to get back to the divisional round. They didn't expect. You know, the the old what's the cliche? Every you know, talking like like they don't know what they don't know. You know, yes. they're just still going out there. You know, so yeah, I, I actually think it applies. So I'm not making fun of you if you're someone who's you know said that. Yeah, it's like one of these like signs. <laughs> 
All right, let's take a quick break. Come back and talk about the other games. Why should you bet with Caesars Sportsbook? Two words, Caesars Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just a nap, it's an empire. 21 and older must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or in Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Bucks Lions, another rematch. Look at all these rematches. Uh, they played in week six. The Lions won 20 to 6. Bucks are such a weird team this year. They're so up and down, different. The offense in particular was so like all over the place. Um, I think just looking back, my notes from this game, uh, what jumps out there's you know a few things that jumped out um the lions defense i don't know how they held them to six points because at this point they weren't that great but it was not a very good baker mayfield game i think that was part of it um jared goff was good in this game uh ran the ball well saint brown he was uh, hitting him against the Bucks' usual blitz with success. He's been – well, that's probably the mo- where we start because that's kind of like the biggest uh, question, I think, for Detroit going into this is kind of Jared Goff versus the blitz in general. Can he do what uh, your boy Jalen Hurts could not do, which is find an open receiver when Todd Bowles sends extra pressure? He did, and I think he will. Yeah, I think he will too. I mean, all, all the numbers from the season, I think he's fifth uh, in success rate against the Blitz. I think it helps when you've played like Bulls earlier in the season. I mean, Bulls, like he, he changes some stuff up, but uh, I think that's a unique experience if you're facing that for the first time. So um, I think he's good against the Blitz. He threw for what, over 300 uh, in that game earlier in the season. So 
Uh, I like the Lions. I mean, Lions offense, especially at home, I feel like they're good all against almost uh, any team. Uh, that Bucks defense, like you're right, the Bucks. Like I, I don't know what to make of the Bucks. Are, are they going to? Are the Bucks going to be playing in the NFC Championship? Like the Bucks are a smaller favorite than the Packers and than the Texans. Is it going to be one of those weird seasons? I don't think so. I think yeah. the Lions will be able to move the ball on them. I actually think the Bucs have a decent case on offense. We'll get to that in a second. Defensively, however, um, they still have good players. And I think, you know, like there's real strengths on this team. Obviously, safety. Winfield Jr. is amazing this year. Still a good linebacker duo group, really. And then up front, definitely found something in Kalijah Kansi, um, Barrett, Diaby. But... I do think that they are weak in ways that Detroit can really exploit. Not not running the ball, uh, although Detroit is one. They're, Detroit's kind of like Baltimore, like where they're so good running the ball, even though they're playing a very good rushing defense in Tampa. I still think that they'll be able to run the ball, so I, I yeah. will say that. However, I think there's like a lot of weaknesses. When I was doing my Eagles Bucks prep, I was like, oh, they're bad at this, they're bad at this. And then at the end, I was like, but does any of it matter against the Eagles? Like, uh, one of the things that jumped out was like, the Bucks are allowed the most, like, uh, they're terrible in deep passes. They allow a ton of deco balls. They're really bad, um, you know, defending. Let's see, I have all these splits. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that they're bad at. Here's one that I really think actually is very important in this game and was was one of the ones where I found, I, I found it and I, and I was like, this does not matter at all against Philadelphia. Uh, so against uh, offenses that use motion, the Bucks are 32nd in yards per play. Wow. They are allow 9.3 yards per pass, which is the most in the NFL. That did not matter against the Philadelphia Eagles. What's motion? Yeah, I don't. Can you define that? I'm not familiar. But uh, against these Detroit Lions, Shield, who of course use a ton of motion and use it well, I think it'll prove to be quite an issue. Yeah, I mean, that's a good one. Like you said, uh, motion blitz against zone. Jared Goff is very good. RPO stuff. I think they can, they are good against the run, but I think he can get the linebackers with, you know, Devin White specifically with the RPO stuff and attacking the middle of the field. And so uh, I think it's a good matchup. Now I will say there was a stretch in that Lions Rams game in the second half. Don't get me wrong. Don't get mad Lions fans. Goff played well overall, but there was like that three series stretch where he had like a backwards pass. He, you know, Goff like stumbled on himself and took a sack on third down he fired one like into the stands for josh reynolds and i'm like oh man this i'm like this three possessions in a row in a close game so i think uh that's what you're looking for the bucks are very aggressive like you said they've got very good players like winfield is a safety who can kind of wreck a game with his you know blitzing or creating turnovers or whatever so um they can make stuff happen where you know you look up all of a sudden you're like oh lions have three turnovers and i'm like no no no, it's this is a fluky game their success rate is good and it's like well it doesn't matter you know because they might lose here if they, uh, yeah, if they but keep, their success keep, rate is good yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? they're turning the ball over so yeah i will say <laughs> oh sorry you don't sound like that i don't know why and i of all people I pretty should good. not I be allowed to good. do a nerd impression ever um well yeah i mean we do know the story with jared it's pressure but the question is whether they can get pre- and but it's it's notable so so jared goff you know kept clean best quarterback in football this year 78 9 79 qbr pressure that drops to 12 which is bottom 10 um what I think is notable, however, it's it's really about that four man rush working. And I don't think the Bucks four man rush is great. Um, I think this Detroit Lions offense line is also playing very well. And uh I'm sorry to keep going back to the Eagles, but like the, not only like as Jared Goff, you know, he, we we can say like he's been good against the Blitz this year. Well, he's good against the Blitz because they have a plan and right. they have uh, skill players in St. Brown in particular and Laporta, who he is very good at targeting when blitzed, and they're very good at getting yards after the catch when blitzed. Yeah. So I think that their Ben Johnson uh, is going to come in with a, a much better, sorry, <laughs> a much better plan feels redundant because really all I have to say is a plan, a plan. for the blitz. Yeah, that's a all. plan, unlike Philadelphia. Yeah. I'm just- 
that area in between like those yard, the numbers, I think they're called. There's that area where you are allowed to throw the football and, you know, specifically against the blitz. That's not a bad place to uh, go with it. Some teams are not allowed to throw there, which would explain the Eagles last week. It's crazy that you're not allowed. It's like, who made that rule? It's like, yeah, I, I don't really know. There like, should be you know, more so. reporting on that. I agree. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Bucks fans, if you're upset listening to that, uh, I actually think, uh, your offense could have some success provided that you don't try to run the ball on early downs. That is how you don't win against Detroit because, uh, you suck at it. And, uh, Detroit is good in run defense shield, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I, they're, they're the best, I think, right? First in uh, rushing DVO. And that the Bucks have, yeah, they, they're, what, around middle of the pack? Like, they do waste plays. But I will give them credit. Last week, maybe they just looked at that Eagles defense. Maybe Baker was just checking at the line. He's like, I'm due for a He's contract. Like, ah. uh, yeah. That's have James you seen Bradbury. these linebackers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're not he, running. I'm throwing right, right no, at check, uh, yep, 24. Do the hand signal? 24 try to tackle. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? Like, yeah. Go. So they came out throwing. They the threw flats, the ball on dude. early downs and they should throw the ball on early downs here. I think there's stuff that you're right. Tampa has some stuff here uh, that they can, you know, expose on that Lions defense. They're a big play action team. Lions are 31st in success rate uh, against play action. They can be certainly be had there. They're not good against deep passes. I think in that first game, Baker Mayfield, like his average throw went like 12 yards. I mean, he was just chucking it. Yeah, he was missing. Maybe he had these numbers. Yeah, Yeah, he was missing. He was trying to chuck it downfield. So I think there are like openings for them. This Lions defense, I will not fully believe in. It feels like unless Aiden Hutchinson's taken over, unless their front's taking over, um, if you give the quarterback time, they will give up a give up place. I mean, Kendall Vildor has to defend someone. And uh, not to be mean, but whoever it is, they should throw to. Um, yeah, I, the Lions defense, like they're good up front and it's behind them. That's the problem. I think for Tampa, the question is just kind of like what not level of aggression run pass, but in terms of pushing the ball downfield, um, because sometimes that deep pass, it's been off. And and to Baker's credit, he threw a perfect ball to Mike Evans, who dropped it against Philadelphia. Yeah, they had um, a lot of drops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think with Detroit, you know, a big thing, a big reason why Baker Mayfield has been better this year and it's been sort of a renaissance for him is he is getting the ball out quickly. He is not taking as many sacks and they've been really good in that like zero to 10 yard range is players who get open and and uh, like Chris Godwin, for example, and Rashad White, who's a great check down option. I think that'll work against Detroit um, versus passes under 10 yards. They're 29th in success rate they've allowed um they're 25th in epa when people throw to running backs so if i'm tampa and and and, you know like just thinking also about complimentary football and keeping our uh the lions offense off the field i really think you can screen together some real dink and dunk drives against this lions defense yeah, I mean the the Lions are favorites, but if if Baker's thrown for over three hundred and they're, I mean every game, even what was it week uh, week eighteen was it where the Lions it was like all right, I think they had this game against the Vikings, and then it's like oh Jordan Addison sixty five yard touchdown. It's like no, no, that's yeah. like the one thing you cannot allow to happen right here, and that's happened over and over again uh, with this Lions team. Even though overall they look like a mediocre unit, uh, they're not a unit to be trusted. There's probably like you know maybe the Ravens are the only unit to be trusted uh, on defense, given what we saw with the Browns. But the Lions certainly th- their pass defense is not to be trusted. I've still got Detroit. I think Me they're too. the better I- team. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, 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 th- I said all that. I think Detroit wins by double digits. I, double again, digits. Another, another bad take that we will delete from this podcast potentially after Sunday. You're actually good doing that because Bucks fans aren't vindictive. I, I want to make a personal ranking of the fan bases who love. I would love to read this. <laughs> you don't have to make it public. Just send it to me. I want to I see if I agree or don't disagree. Uh, Bucks fans are, in my experience, tend to be pretty friendly. Um, okay. yeah, we'll see. I think, I, I, I think part of the reason also, and this is kind of the final thing before we get to the last game that I like Detroit is I trust their coaching staff not to F it up. Like, you know, and I was like, uh, like for example, like I, I know I, you know, we said we can run on them, but I don't think they're going to run into a brick wall. Like they're, you know, this is a, an offense that will, um, play matchup football and, 
I think Ben Johnson is it will will do a good job of identifying all the you know the the various weaknesses in the Bucks defense and exploiting them. And then I think Dan Campbell isn't going to he's not going to turtle up being the favorite, yes. which is why I love the dude. That was a huge factor in Lions Rams. I mean, I went on a yes. big rant rant on it. Yeah, I mean, that was if McVay coaches that game like Campbell coaches, the Rams might still be playing right now. Honestly, he, McVay was my wolf. McVay, the game manager, was my wolf of the yeah. wolf of the week. And yeah, I agree. And I that's that's why even when Dan Campbell was slightly insane, going for two again as it pushed out farther and farther, I still. <laughs> Loved it because I was like, this dude is always going to do him. And it's why I'm I'm so confident in them. Okay, Chiefs Bills. So this is, I think, the closest. I certainly I think I last I saw Chiefs were favored by two and a half. Um so yeah, or no, I'm sorry, right. uh Bills were favored by two and a half. Bills. In in Buffalo, though. So yes. it's basically a pick em. Um so this is a rematch of a lot of times. Most recently in week 14, the infamous Kadarius Tony game. I think it'll always be remembered that way. They got to start with some kind of troll play if I'm Buffalo. I start, I, I don't know how you get someone to lateral it to a receiver. Um, so, big takeaway from that game, Shield, was it was a big James Cook game. This was after, I think, not long after uh, Joe Brady took over offensive play calling, and you start seeing more of this emphasis on using both running the football. Uh, and using James Cook as a pass catcher. The Chiefs did not have Isaiah Pacheco in this game, which I think is pretty significant. See, running backs do matter. We start off by talking about the two running backs. Uh, I think I think there's a big difference when they have Pacheco, when they don't. Uh, Cook's emphasis also made a difference. Um, I thought the way that Steve Spagnuolo played Allen was interesting in this game, um, despite the fact that they ran and threw the running back more. The Chiefs uh, played less base defense than usually. They usually play a lot of base. They were actually in dime a fair amount. You, you see some commonalities. I think I was looking back at sort of some of the other games, the, these epic matchups. Uh, Spagnolo, his approach to playing Josh Allen, he does tend to play the pass pretty heavily. Um, he will blitz, which is interesting and I think is going to be an interesting question mark in this one. But uh, yeah, so it, it was pretty different. I don't know. And then, then of course, since then, and this is maybe we should start here. The Chiefs have suffered or Bills have suffered rather yet more injuries on their defense. Um, we are taping this on Wednesday and I just checked who was day to day. Taron Johnson is in concussion protocol call. That is huge to me yeah. in this game because he is has been awesome this season. Uh, Russell Douglas with the knee, Christian Bedford with the knee. I think they'll play Davis. I think will come back Taylor Rapp calf injury. He didn't play in the last round. Um, and then Tyrell Dodson, who is the linebacker and then Bernard, who it looked like was like done at the end of the game. I, I read that now he's day to day. So I don't know who's going to play. And I think right. let's start here. Those, not to be a huge cop out, but I think those injuries might end up determining how I feel about this game because those are very significant players, particularly against this iteration of the Chiefs offense and where they like to attack. Yeah, it's it, and I think it will determine how Sean McDermott wants to play this game. I mean, I, yeah. I think in his perfect world, if he had his guys, like remember, he he took over the play calling from Leslie Frazier. Like it was for moments like this in the playoffs. I mean, their their defense has not performed in the playoffs. So I think games like this, he felt like I can come up with a creative game plan. I can come up with wrinkles and call them at the right time against the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, I really think that move was about games like this. But now you look at it, and it's like that was such a costly win for them against Pittsburgh. They just lost so many guys in the second half there that now I almost wonder if McDermott just comes into this game and says – you know what? Let's just make the Chiefs earn it. Let let's play that defense that I personally hate that has taken over the lead the league with two high safeties and force them to move. This isn't the defense I uh, grew up with, but I think this might be the right time to play it because that Chiefs offense has shown us time and again. Like they can they string together eight or nine plays without Jawan Taylor getting a penalty without Marquez Valdez Scantling uh, dropping the football without somebody else, you know, reading the coverage differently uh, than Patrick Mahomes. Like they've just made those mistakes over and over and over again that I do feel like if the bills go into this shorthanded, it's sort of like vanilla 
basic game plan. Let's not get beat over the top and let's see what happens here. Let's see if our front four can get home. You know, Gregory Rousseau, uh, those guys against some of those Chiefs offensive tackles because uh, I just don't know that he's going to be willing to be creative with, you know, disguising coverages and blitzes when these are, I mean, so it's like linebacker and corner. I mean, they are yeah. decimated. We're not talking about like the third guy. I mean, they could potentially be on guys like five, you know, five and six in this game. So I don't know that that was one thought I had. Again, we don't know who's going to play, but if they are shorthanded, I wonder if that's the approach. I think that McDermott, and again, this is like you said, personnel is going to go a long way. He might do something similar to not what he did a fair amount against Dallas, which was basically dare you to run the ball. You talked about them playing too high and then either blitz the run, drop a safety into the box at the last minute. I think we might see a lot of later movement oriented towards stopping the run, but I think he's going to present looks that invite the run. And as so often is the case with the Chiefs, you know, will they take it? I, th they, I think they will. Um, so Pacheco could end up being a difference in this game. I th the other thing I think noting from week 14 is it, this was, that was around the time when they realized the offense has to go through Rishi Rice and Kelsey, but you've seen Rice's importance grow and grow and grow culminating most recently in this playoff performance where he was so clearly the dude and not just um, in terms of target share, but the way they used him has changed over the course of the season against Miami, very embattled uh, injured defense of their own um, just destroying them with crossing routes, getting the ball in his hands in space. This is the way like, I it just it's so obviously the right thing for them to do. It's been the right thing. Yeah, every time I joked about this on Twitter, I think, but every time they throw it to someone other than Rasheed Rice, bad <laughs> happens. So, true. <laughs> I, so so if you're Buffalo, Sheil, I think your your game plan in the passing perspective, you just got to stop Rasheed Rice. That's what I would. You know, that's the biggest concern. Yeah, I think Rice and Kelsey, I think 20 targets combined uh, in that first game. I mean, this is the way the Chiefs, like, I don't know if this is the way the Chiefs want to play. Probably not. It's sort of like this is the way they have to play right now. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, his average pass is going, what, six, you know, six yards downfield. Like, they have turned into a throw the ball short, yards after the catch, methodical. They're middle of the pack in every explosive play category. Like, they cannot make plays downfield. Now watch, they'll come out and have, you know, six, uh, six bombs to Marquez Valdez scaling. They try, they're there sometimes where you look up and you go, he's open. That throw looks good. Oops. Like you said, oh, something bad, uh, happened there, but they have to kind of have that methodical approach. So I thought they ran the ball pretty well in that first game against them, uh, in week 14. So whether it's running the football, whether it's the methodical passing game and yeah, Rice and Kelsey, Kelsey's sort of like the, when Mahomes is running around out of structure or, you know, make a play mode, that's Kelsey. Kelsey, and you're right. Get Rice on the move um, and let him make plays. I, you know, it, it sounds simple, but uh, like that's what they got to well, do. The, uh, nobody else is reliable. It's going to be a hell of a lot harder for them if they don't have Taron Johnson or the linebackers because yeah. they've really found something with Rice on the in-breaking stuff. And if they've got backups in the middle of the field, that will go a long, a long way towards helping Kansas City there. Um, the other side is. is um, it, it, in some ways, more of the strength on strength matchup, which is crazy to say about a Patrick Mahomes quarterback team, but the Chiefs defense uh, has been phenomenal. They're coming off of a, a very strong performance against a not injured Miami offense. It's not the same way their defense was. Um, and they're playing a Bills team that um, has gone through something of a bit of an offensive evolution. They're changing. They're kind of uh, – the last game, you know, was – Interesting. You saw, I think Khalil, Sh Khalil Shakir was kind of his big breakout game. They still, uh, you know, they'll still, I think, lean heavily on James Cook in this one. Um, I think for, for Steve Spagnuolo, it's different. Whereas with, you know, the, the Chiefs, it's really like, okay, how do you shut down these two players, right? That's not how you approach the Bills anymore um, because they, they really are sort of agnostic about targets it comes down to how do you approach Josh Allen? 
do you blitz him? Do you spy him? Do How can you try to get him to make a mistake? How do you think Spagnolo? you know, he, like I, I said this at the beginning, he's approached it in different ways um, with their different matchups. What do you think he will do versus this version of Josh Allen? Yeah, they're kind of in that Ravens mold where they, they have the ability to do different things. They don't just do one thing. They can disguise. They can play zone. They can play man. Uh, they can blitz. I know he, I mean, he he's just an aggressive guy. So it's not like, you know, sit back and make them move the ball downfield. And watching that, I was rewatching that first game today. And like, I, I thought he they did a good job. I mean, Allen is always going to make plays, but he held the ball in that game, I think on average, like 3.3 seconds. Like his head was spinning a little bit uh, back there. Like they were doing stuff from a cover standpoint to confuse him, to make him hold on to the football. And part of it is just, you know, that they, they've got good cover corners. Their pass defense has been so good uh, against those Bills weapons. So, I hate to just be like, oh, you know, it's it's, it's not just one thing, but I, I do feel like they have different options. One thing I did say, when they played zone in that game, it was uh, Josh Allen's worst success rate against zone in any game this entire season. So, um, and it wasn't that they just played zone or played a high percentage, like they played both, but on those snaps specifically. So like just the rotation stuff, the, hey, what is this? What am I looking at? The combo coverages, all that stuff is a good formula uh, against the Bills. And it's like, I, I do think the narrative about Joe Brady and the offense, like statistically they've been worse. They've just flat out been worse with Joe Brady than Ken Dorsey. I'm not telling you like the numbers always tell the whole story, but all the efficiency metrics you look at, they haven't been as good. And so like the Bills, the story of the Bills offense is when they don't do stupid stuff, they are one of the best in the NFL but they have a tendency to do some stupid stuff that leaves you sitting there going, well, what are they doing? I think it's cutting down on the stupid stuff, which Josh Allen in the, was it week 17 or, or no, it was the Miami game where he threw some of his, so it's not like, Oh, Joe Brady's gotten him to stop. No, it's just, it's random. He right. is who he is. I also think, yes, the offense efficiency wise isn't better. It's been much more about the defense that they were able to rip off the win streak to me and the turnovers. However, and this is, again, I, I know I, I already mentioned this, but I don't think it, it, it can be emphasized enough. Josh Allen's willingness to use his legs as the season goes on in those key moments is so pivotal in these big games. It, and the, which is why, by the way, I think you're right, but the Chiefs playing zone, I think is the, you do not want to turn your back on eyes Josh on Allen. Yeah. You got to keep eye. And even if you have one eyes on him, he's going to run you matter. over half the time. <laughs> but, and, and this is one thing I do like about the Chiefs versus like um, some of these other linebacking groups. They got some thumpers up in the middle. They're a very physical defense to begin with. The corners, you know, get a lot of attention for that. But I think um, it starts up front with Jones and Karloftis. The linebackers are really physical. The secondary plays with, an, uh, with a level of – I mean, it's, it's funny, Shield, to think even just like two years ago – this Chiefs defense really struggled with tackling. This was always a big issue against um, the Bengals in, in some of these playoff games, just the inability to tackle Jamar Chase, missed tackles. And I think when we look back at the rebuild of this defense using the resources from the Hill pick and some of the draft picks and, and whatever in free agency, it has so clearly been with an eye towards physicality and tackling some of the replacements that they've made, some of the players that they've targeted. And I think in a game like this, that physicality could be the difference. Yeah, you, you nailed it with Allen in the run game. I mean, not only the scrambling, the I mean, they were doing design stuff with him in this game in week 14. I mean, the Bills have been basically playing playoff games for like yeah. six straight weeks now. So I guess they were like, all right, you know, forget about saving him until the playoffs. Because, yeah, they were using him that way in that game. And the Chiefs, you know, they, they can be had a little. Now, some of it's what you said, like they invite sometimes we'll invite teams to run the football, run the football but they haven't consistently stopped the run here. So do the bills come out and is it, is it sort of that mentality of our, our defense isn't going to be able to hold up today. Let's again, string together these long drives. Is it some of that game plan like they had against the Cowboys uh, where, you know, they're just running the football with multiple guys and Josh Allen. Cause uh, that bills offensive line. I mean, what is it? The only one in the NFL where every guy's like started, uh, you know, the yeah. entire season or something like that. They're they, good. They've been, yeah. They're good. And they're healthy and they've all been when you're playing together that often and you know all right this is the angle on this play because the line like they they can do all that stuff um at a very high level so yeah i think 
James, it should be a big James Cook game. I, I mean, he was James big Cook for them game. as a receiver in that first matchup. They, they used him in an amazing way, which they haven't totally gotten back to, which was a little bit puzzling. I thought that was the start of something, but. Oh, he had um, that, I, the wheel route touchdown in this yeah. game where they motioned. Yeah, that was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He had yeah. two nice ones downfield. So as a receiver and a rusher, it could be a James, big James Cook game. It's Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. So naturally we're like, which team's going to run the ball better? Pacheco, James Cook. Um, I reserve the right to change my pick pending the injury status of several Bills defensive players. Right now, though, because of that, and it is really because of that injury, those injuries that I'm leading Chiefs in this one, I think um, this Chiefs offense, which we talked about, they're not explosive. They're uh, they, they, and, and, and this is, I, I did a sort of bonus pod with Mitch Schwartz about this because they're not explosive. They can't make afford mistakes the way they could before. However, I think that they will be able to run the ball. I think they've figured out how to best optimize Rashi Rice. Uh, and, and by the way, and this is maybe the final piece we talk about Patrick or pardon me, Josh Allen's legs, Patrick Mahomes' legs are also a massive oh, yeah. factor in January football. And he has run this year more than ever before. And in a game like this, he will run. And uh, they're very different runners. <laughs> I don't think stylistically you could uh, have two more different rushing quarterbacks than Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. It's like comparing a uh, – Josh Allen is the monster truck. I don't even know what kind of car Mahomes is. It's like a like – a, like a, jalopy that like you're like how is this car running and then it always it like beats the other car i don't know it's it's rickety whatever it's it like is he's tiptoeing. It yeah it's very soft it's like he doesn't want to wake someone up in the house when he's running and josh allen is like i'm bursting through this door and i'm coming to get everything <laughs> i think very- as a defensive player it's more infuriating when it's because if it's josh allen you're like yeah that guy's much bigger yeah what am i gonna do when yeah. patrick Holmes always gets like 13 yards when he needs 12. It's absolutely infuriating yeah, as yeah. he like jauntily dances by you. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Mahomes' legs will be big in this one. I've got the Chiefs. Who do you got? I just have to stick to like previous takes on this. I, I, I have not bought this Chiefs offense. I'm like, they're dead. Bury them. And now I'm terrified that they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks. But I'm just going to stick with that. And I was saying, don't bury the Bills yet. They can still do it. And so uh, I don't feel great. Mahomes as an underdog has just been like lights out when I, I think he's been an underdog 10 times and his team has won, not just covered one, seven times. And those Bills injuries terrify me. Uh, a lot of things here terrify me, but I don't know. Maybe it's just a weird year where the Bills were supposed to be dead and they're finally going to break through and get to the Super Bowl. So I'll, I'll stick with Buffalo. I know you I'm glad we're not picking it. the same team. I, I no, was it's good. Yeah, it is good. Team. Well, this yeah. was the one I thought we might diverge yeah. on. Um, you didn't cowardly preface it like I did with the injury. You got to do the injury thing. You got to be like, well, it totally depends on who's healthy for this game. But I, my, I, I mean it. I'm not lying. Yeah. I actually like Taron Johnson. I he I voted for him all pro, man. It's been He's awesome. Really yeah. Good. Really good. Especially on the in-breaking, yeah, the slot stuff, the in-breaking stuff, no doubt. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. All right, Chiel, you're fantastic. Um, as I mentioned at the top, you guys can check out Chiel's work on the Ringer NFL show, uh, the Philly special. If, you, if you're a Cowboys fan and you want to feel better about your team, go listen to that. I'm sure it's very funny right now. Um, and also on Twitter at, at just Chiel Capadia, right? S-H-E-I-L-K-A-P-A-D-I-A. Uh, you can check this podcast out on YouTube if you're listening and you haven't already. Give it a subscribe. Um, and and I mentioned this. I we're doing a live show from Las Vegas. Sure, you should come if you're out there. Yeah. Uh, Thursday, we did a live show in Seattle once. It was really fun. Um, this one is with uh, Dominic Foxworth, Bill Barnwell, Kevin Clark, playing the hits. Uh, check out. You can buy tickets at Bitly slash Mina Fox bit.ly slash ly slash Mina Fox. I got that right. Uh, there will be food and merch, which is included in the cost. All right. Thank you as always to the fine folks at Omaha, uh, Christian Sobecki, Owen Saylor, Anthony Jimenez, and I will see you guys next week. Hey.